Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Everybody and welcome to the FitPro podcast. My name is Jane Waller and today I'm with Sarah Belifo who is a fitness career mentor and has been in the industry for over 30 years, has masses of experience as an instructor, a tutor, assessor and is also a teacher on the level four cancer and exercise course with Can Rehab. Sarah is well experienced to be with us today as we're going to talk about dealing with the person, communicating with the person that is on their cancer journey. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Very much a pleasure. Um, Something that I should probably add is that Sarah is the author of six books as part of the Complete Two series. And we were talking about this earlier and it ranges from uh, aquatic to mental health. So um, good idea to maybe have a look at some of those and you'll be able to see um, what Sarah does best. And Sarah has also written for very many for many magazines, including the Fit Pro magazine. So you may even remember Sarah from that. So um, as I mentioned, um, we're going to be talking to Sarah about the communication with somebody who's on their cancer journey. And, and the reason for this is October is obviously Cancer Awareness Month, so um, appropriately placed right now. Um, so, Sarah, I just wanted to dive right in and ask you, um, why is it so important that we know as fitness professionals how to speak with someone who has or has had cancer? Is is really important because the, the latest estimates are that one in two people will experience some sort of cancer or a cancer diagnosis in their lifetime. And... The, you know, there's there's two people diagnosed, I think, every minute in the UK. Now, a lot of these are going to be younger people. We are much, much better at diagnosing early these days. Our survival rates are going up. They've, they've nearly doubled over the last 40 years, which is fantastic news. But it's it means that as fitness professionals, we're likely to be seeing clients who decide to change their lifestyle. Um, cancer, like any big chronic condition or chronic diagnosis is quite often that trigger for somebody to go gosh actually what can I do to improve my health to improve my life to improve my risk of living improve my sort of improve my life longevity Mm -hmm. Um, so exercise is a a common route for people Mm -hmm. and they're going to come to you and say hi help me get fitter yeah. By the way, I've had cancer. Yeah, yeah. And, and this, as we'll speak a little bit further on in, in our podcast today, there is, you know, for, for some people, there's going to be a different reaction. There may be those um, PTs, fitness professionals who have already dealt with it either themselves or with someone in their family. So are going to be um, more comfortable, if that's the right word, in that situation. And then others that maybe haven't. Um, and having some idea on how to communicate with that person is is certainly going to help them on that journey and 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 keeping them motivated um but i mean it would be devastating at any time to be diagnosed with cancer but the last 18 months have certainly 
um, made it a very, very difficult situation um, and, and people have been lost in the system. And no doubt there has been a lot more anxiety and distress associated with it. So, so where are we, where are we at as a nation right now in, um, in what's happening out there with people that are on this journey? Things are getting back to normal, but you're, you're right. A lot of people have had their treatments delayed or cancelled, which gives a huge um, amount of anxiety and fear. Um, other people may have even had their diagnosis delayed or they haven't been able to get an appointment. So again, that gives rise to an awful lot of fears. And I think people just they want to get back into their normal treatment pathway or they want to actually get started on it. And um, we know that, you know, being lonely has a major impact on um, treatment take up even. Uh, there are people who develop such a, a strong sense of loneliness that they even refuse treatment. So this is where, again, getting back into the normal swing of things, being able to go to online classes or even face-to-face -face classes now is so important for people whose treatments maybe have been delayed or held up because it gives them back a sense of doing something. Mm -hmm. um, it helps people to be, particularly within a group, with other people who've gone through the same sort of thing because they can they can talk about it and it, it kind of it gives them reassurance that it, it it's going to be okay which I think for people who have been stuck on their own missing treatment there's been a major worry a major fear is what if by the time I get to my treatment it's too late so it is coming back to normal but what we what we as instructors need to be able to do is kind of let people um, talk about it if they want to and how worried they've been without kind of we can't sort of oh we can we can sort of gosh that must be so worrying for you that must be such a worrying time but it's we have to be very very careful that we don't fall into the counselling route because that's yeah. not our job um, so it's making sure that you know that there are support support services available that you can signpost people to yeah um not yeah. jumping on them and saying, oh, you're very anxious, talk to these people, but asking them, you know, have you spoken to anybody about how you're feeling? Um, there are services available in this area. Um, would you like a list? So you're not, you're not telling people there's a problem, but what you're saying is, have you yeah. spoken to someone? Um, and, and, would you and like information? Solution and some support. Um, and I know that we're going to, we are going to talk about that as well. Um, I mean, it must be very difficult for uh, clients to, to tell people um, what to say and, you know, concerns around how people will react. How can we as fitness professionals help? One, by, um, you know, if somebody comes to us and actually says, you know, I've had a, a cancer diagnosis, um, and how do, how could, how can we help them in this podcast to respond to that? Um, and even if they are coming into a situation which is a group, what is, the, I mean, it's different one-on-one, -on -one, obviously, but if they're coming back into a group situation, is there, you know, how would how can we make that, that situation for them more comfortable? Talk to them. Talk to them the same way you would with any other client. Avoid the kind of shocked intake of breath or the head tilt. Or you oh how awful things like that avoid mm. that kind of 
reaction and it is hard at times sometimes you you do that kind of things but it is important you know one they know they've got or they've had cancer so there's no point in trying to avoid it or not use the word or terminology um, but pick up on what they say if they refer to it as the big c you can refer to it as the big c if they talk about cancer you can talk about cancer people will will give away kind of how they refer to it if, if you like and it's so important to pick up on that if they can't keep talking about the big c and you keep saying cancer 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 they're going to be a bit oh unnerved um so yeah don't don't do that oh gosh how awful for you oh gosh um oh i'm not sure what to say you know it's yeah. in the same way if somebody said i've got osteoarthritis in my knees you would know what to say how does that affect you is there a particular time of day it's worse? Does it have any impact on your everyday life? It's the same thing. Um, it's being professional, asking the questions that you need to know to provide a safe and effective environment or experience for them. But it's also being guided by them. And, and you know, don't be afraid to ask questions like, you know, say, there are some questions I need to ask you because it will help me to put together the best experience for you or the best program or the best session um but let me know if there's anything you don't want to talk about just say i'd rather not talk about that i'd rather not discuss that and we won't discuss it you know mm -hmm. give people the option to talk about or not talk about things but obviously explain that it's relevant to what you put together for them that they tell you anything that, that you might need to know um, most people particularly if they want to exercise, will will usually be quite open about their experience, about what's going on, about how it's impacted on them. Um, so like I say, client comes with osteoarthritis in the knee or they're, they're going through cancer treatment, you ask the questions that you need to ask to make sure it's appropriate for them to exercise, but also to give them a safe experience. So don't don't shy away from it. Don't be coy don't be embarrassed after all this is this is your job is is to work with them and give them a really positive experience and is is, is it necessary for a fitness professional to um have uh, a letter from a gp or any other health professional to say that they can have exercise i mean if someone comes to you and and says i've been diagnosed you know i i I want to do more exercise. I know that exercise would help me, um, you know, with my fatigue or whatever ever else. I mean, is a, is a fit pro within their scope of practice to say, sure, I can take you on and we'll do this? Or is there an expectation that there would be some communication with another health professional? It entirely depends on the client's um, previous experience. If they were a complete newcomer to exercise, if they had comorbidities, things like being overweight or if they had extreme fatigue, if they're still going through treatment, then those would all be little flags that pop up mm. and say, yes, we need to get further information on this. Um, if it was five years ago, they're not having any current, any treatment currently or anything like that, then you would do your normal thorough yeah. screening yeah. and then make the decision based on that. So again, you, you treat it like you would any other medical condition. You do your thorough screening Mm -hmm. And you make the decision based on that. If, if they say, oh, well, actually, I'm 
so fatigued that it's real struggle for me to get out of bed. Oh, and I'm still having chemotherapy. Then, yeah, you probably either need need to speak to their specialist or you need to give them a letter to take explaining yeah. what you're going to do and that you need clearance. Yeah. So it's the same as with any other client. Sure. But there are obviously there may be it's it's not just a question of saying, all oh, right, you're not in treatment at the moment. Great, let's do this. It's okay what are the consequences you're experiencing we we know that when people are on a medication or having a treatment you get side effects when you're having that treatment but with cancer there are potential consequences that might happen quite quickly or years later so as an instructor you need to be aware of things like that so this is where you know knowing the other instructors in your area mm -hmm. if you're not qualified then you can ask questions and say look i've got this client x y and z the other instructor might sort of say, oh, yeah, yeah, don't do this, don't do this, but you can do that. Or they might sort of say, actually, you need to get clearance. Yeah. So, again, it's, it's, you know, as a professional, it's working as part of the profession and yeah. asking yeah. for help when you need it. But, again, a thorough screening, mm. us, you know, a good professional will know yeah, when they, they need, anyway. when they yeah. need yeah. further information. And don't be afraid to ask the client, say, how does that affect you? You know, it might be if they've had breast cancer and they've got scarring, it they it yeah. might be that their range of movements change. Yeah. So, so ask them, how does that affect you? What can you do? What can't you do? Yeah. Um, it, it's it's the thorough screening process you would do with anyone. anyone. There just may yeah. be more to think about. Yeah. With somebody who's living with and beyond cancer. So coming to the the sort of the fitness professional. Um, who is working with a client um, or has a client that has come to them and, and has said that they've had a cancer diagnosis, that can also be quite distressing for the fitness professional, especially if they've not had a lot of experience in this. So what advice would you offer to them for them managing their own emotions? Have, have support, have support, whether it is other fitness professionals who also work with, with clients with chronic medical conditions, long-term conditions, um, somebody that you can just sort of say, oh gosh, you know, I saw a client, obviously you can't mention any names, but you might say, I, I'm working with a client at the moment and I'm, I'm finding it quite upsetting. So it's, it's making sure that you've got um, support in place. Um, a lot of the cancer charities, both the, the larger organizations and some of the smaller local ones have, um, kind of special area um they have facilities for like people once removed or twice removed from cancer if you like. i'm not sure how to put that but there's a there's a lovely one they call it um plus one yeah shine plus one i think it is so it's as a fitness professional if you are affected these are people you can contact and say i'm, I'm really struggling with this i'm not sure what to say or do mm -hmm. and they can help talk through talk you through it um so again it's knowing what supports out there both for you mm. as, as well as for your client and you know most of them really happy to talk to fitness professionals i mean apart from anything else we know that exercise and physical activity is a hugely important part yeah. of a prevention in the first place but also getting people back into a functional life after a diagnosis and treatment and it reduces the risk of recurrence we can't as professionals say, if you exercise, it won't come back. 
Sure. It does reduce the risk of recurrence. Yeah. So the medical professionals are signposting people to activity now, which mm -hmm. means that you know there's more support for us out yes. there in managing our own emotions. Because I'll be honest, there are times something might happen, somebody might have a recurrence or 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 die, not survive, or be diagnosed as, as um terminal. And and that is hard to emotion to, to mm -hmm. manage. Um, I've worked within mental health for years and obviously that again is a similar thing and you you need to develop a kind of professional emotional response where you feel the emotions but professionally so that you don't take them home with you because yeah. that that affects your own mental health and coping strategies so having support is important whether that's with higher level qualified instructors or your local charities I really recommend getting to know them yeah. and getting that yeah, support. You, you mentioned in there, um, you know, maybe somebody has had a recurrence and that was one of the questions I was also going to ask is that, you know, you know when clients have had the all clear, um, but as, in, as is often the case, there is a recurrence and they are fearful um, that there is going to be a recurrence. Um, you know, is there, is there any advice that you could give the fitness professional on how to deal with that you know if you know if, if a person is fearful of a recurrence even if they've had the your clear absolutely and that is it's very very common fear of the future whether mm. it's recurrence or how they're going to cope affects over half of people who've been diagnosed um, but we know that one in five people who've had breast cancer do face a recurrence um, and a lot of people have told me it's like they've got a little shadow just beyond their shoulder just behind them so it's they can't really see it but they just they're just aware it all the time so any lump any bump any soreness may bring up anxiety or, or fear so i think as fitness professionals we need to um start clients off slowly progress gradually but talk to them about what will happen when they exercise you may feel muscle soreness yeah the following day tell them what they may feel rather than them sitting at home thinking my muscles my breasts really sore oh no it might be something else no they explained to me it would be this yeah. and that it would go away within 24 to 48 hours if it hasn't then i can get it checked out so again it's it's talking to the client acknowledging their fears not not dismissing them not oh, God, i'm sure you'll be fine mm. you, you have no idea if they're going to be fine mm. um but you know, oh, it won't happen to you. It, none of that, but just listening to them and saying, gosh, that, that must be so hard for you. Have you spoken to your team about this? Have you spoken to anyone about this? Again, it's avoiding getting into any sort of therapy counseling yeah. role, but, but saying, have you spoken to someone about this? Because there are lots and lots of places where they will talk to you and help you manage the fears. You can't necessarily make it go away. It's not like, oh, a couple of deep breaths, you'll be fine. This is a very real fear for a lot of people. And you can't, you can't dismiss it or minimise it. You have to acknowledge it and encourage them to get some sort of support so they can at least manage it. Mm. Really I think, I think what you said there actually is, is such a, a practical answer is to um, make sure that we communicate with our clients around 
what they are doing, why they're doing it and how they will feel because we could easily become complacent around that because we just expect that, you know, if there's going to be exercise, there is going to be a little bit of discomfort. Um, and with a normal client, you might just expect them to suck it up. They kind of expect to suck it up. But, but this, this really is important that they can be made, that, that the fear is removed really before it even becomes a potential by them knowing what to expect yeah. from their exercise session. You're absolutely right. And, and quite often we, we forget to warn clients about things like muscle soreness mm. because yeah. we're so used to it. Now, somebody who is exercising for the very first time, it might not even be what we would consider to be soreness. Yeah. But to them, it's a different feeling. Yeah. And it, yeah. it could trigger some fear. So, yeah. it, again, really important to say, look, you may well experience some muscle soreness, um, but move the muscle, push against something. And if, if that makes it, if you really feel it, then it's muscle soreness. Um, but if it's, mm. if it lasts for more than 24, 48 hours, yeah. be aware Check as well. That. that might mean that it was a bit too much for them. Yeah. So taper it down a bit the next time. Yeah. Um, I guess there's the situation too when when maybe a client who's been a healthy client with us for some time um, and then they, they have a diagnosis um, or it's somebody that has been told that, um, you know, the diagnosis isn't great and there may not be a great um, opportunity for recovery. And I would imagine that there are times when someone goes, well, what's the point? Like, why bother exercising? You know, it's, it hasn't helped me. Um, here I am in, in this situation, even though I've been exercising. As a, as a fitness professional, how do we keep somebody motivated? Um, you know, is there, is there a terminology that we can use? Is there an approach we can use that can sort of try and encourage them to, to stay with us and to continue with their training? Because we know that there are going to be benefits, not only physical, but, you know, mental health yeah. as well. And I'm sure, I, I imagine that's, that's the route that we would take as to, try and um, you know give them this opportunity to stay in their training program this and, and again it can kind of go two ways people can either be right I'm determined to keep going as for as long as I can doing as much as possible with their activity and they're the people you might need to rein them in a little bit and say right okay let's actually mm. let's monitor your kind of energy levels and your responses over a period of time so that we know actually I'm tired today so I'm going to do plan B yeah. or I've got quite a bit of energy today so I'm going to do this instead um, it's it's having different things I'm working with the client to, to work something out with them so that they don't overdo it and end up knocking themselves out for a week um, which can happen but when people are like well I've been told you know that there's, there's not a lot they can do now um, where's the point it's it's kind of okay what do you enjoy about exercise? What have you enjoyed about the exercise and activity up till now? Yeah. And get them really thinking about the positives, the gains. Okay. And, and sort of say, you know, okay, we may not be able to get you much fitter now, but we can certainly keep your quality of life high. We can keep yeah. your quality of life good. We can keep you doing the things that you want to do in your everyday life. So, yeah, that marathon might not be possible now, but it doesn't mean you can't walk to your 
friend's house or go for a walk with your family. So let's let's focus now on your quality of life and the things that you enjoy about activity. You love coming to the group because it's social and you get to chat. You can still come to the group and do the social chat um, and just do as much of the class as you feel up to at the time. But come along because everyone wants to see you. Yeah. So I think it's it's emphasizing the positives that they've gained before and reinforcing that this is going to be, you know, it will still help keep them active, keep them going, keep them moving for as long as possible. Yeah, yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, I, I would imagine that um, sometimes you're going to have clients that are going to arrive at a session and say that they've been reading and doing their research and they've heard of this great alternative treatment where, you know, they have green beetroot juice on a Sunday. Um, and um, as, a, as a fitness professional, you know, I, I guess we have to be a little bit careful about how involved we get in those sorts of conversations. So where do we sit with somebody that's, that's going down the alternative treatment route, you know, whilst they might already be undergoing treatment? This, this is actually surprisingly common. Um, you have to remember that people will um, grab onto anything that gives mm. them more hope. Sure. Um, so it is more common. However, mm. we do not know how what they're suggesting may interact with other treatments and things like that. We're not, we're not pharmacists, we're not yeah. um, diagnosticians, we're not prescribers. We have no idea. Um, about what might happen so you have to be very 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 careful not to kind of agree or um, kind of support what they're choosing you have to be absolutely unequivocally I do not know anything about that um, this is something you need to speak to your team about I cannot I, I do not know even if it was oh I've heard that if I take x or y and you happen to take that yourself for whatever reason you can't say oh yeah i take that because that could be seen yeah. as you agreeing with their decision and yeah. you you can't do that so i think if somebody says oh i've heard x y and z you have to sort of say oh right where did you read that what was the yeah what what's the research behind yeah. it um obviously i don't know anything about that and about your treatment so you need to speak to your doctor about this yeah so I think you, you have to be very, very clear that you absolutely do not, you do not know. Yeah. And they need to speak to their doctor because there are things that can interfere with treatment, not just yeah. for cancer treatments, but other medications as well. So it is really, really important yeah. that you, you have a very neutral, non-committal, I don't know anything about it, speak to your team. Yeah. Okay. Great that advice. Way. Yeah. Great, great advice because it would be very easy to, fall into that trap like oh yeah I have green beetroots as well you know they're great for x um which maybe to the you know the healthy pt that is the case um so thank you yeah that's that is great advice to say completely neutral um so I guess that sort of brings me to the the final piece which is where where do we go um you know where can we send our clients for support I mean I imagine they have a massive team around them that offer support and you know there are all the charities as you said that um would support them but um but you know what about for the fit pro um are there 
charities that you would recommend or um, are there sort of organisations that we should, which we can actually add to this podcast um, as links? You know, it will be it will be added to the podcast so that people will be able to go to these links and check it out. But are there any that um, sort of come to mind that, you know, that you could mention now for people to look at if they needed to? The big one out there is Mavillan. Macmillan are absolutely amazing. They have a wealth of publications on absolutely everything. At any point, if you want to know more about a particular type of cancer, bear in mind there's well over 200, so can't possibly know them all. Um, but if you want, you know, they've got they've got information on on things like body image, how to talk to people, but they also have support services and support lines where you can call up if you're struggling or if you want more information that you can ring. Um, so they're really, really good. If you, the NHS will give a list of recognised charities and organisations, again, that you can talk to. The things like breast cancer, um, prostate, the bowel and bladder society, they'll all have um, information and support lines. And if, if they don't actually offer support for you, they will know where to get it. Look locally for um, charities that support people as well. Um, Maggie's is one of the big ones within the UK. There's 27 different um, sites around the UK and they, they're absolutely brilliant. And as a fitness professional, you know, a lot of them would be happy for you to go in and talk about the benefits of activity or see what they do. They do a lot of classes and things within that. So they're definitely worth talking to. Um, just think of ones I know in Exeter, there's one called Force, which is based at the um, big hospital there. Again, most of these are more than happy to talk to you um, and give support um, or to give you information. They may well have um, activity opportunities that that you can signpost your clients to. They're a good place to signpost clients to as well. Um, as I, I mentioned, Shine, Shine Cancer Support, they have a plus one um, site, which is for people like parents, carers, friends, work colleagues, and things like that. Um, there's, I think it's Nightingale support in North London. Again, they are there to sort of provide support to people kind of once removed, if you like, from the diagnosis. So there's a lot out there. I Obviously people are, are UK wide, but it's, you know, find out what's going on in your area. Find out because if, if you don't need it, your clients might. Yeah. Um, so know what's out there. We, you know, these days we're not just fitness professionals. We are we're, we're much more holistic than that. We can't necessarily provide that support, but we can signpost people to somewhere that, that will do that for them. Um, and as I say, use it ourselves. Um, if there's a team of you working together somewhere, maybe you kind of sit down, have a debrief on a Friday afternoon um, to just kind of get over anything because sometimes when you talk you realize you need more support sometimes just getting it off your chest is enough mm. you know it's just oh I felt really awful yeah. when this happened or that happened yeah. um so sometimes that's enough but other times you think Do you know what actually I've been really affected by this I I think I need to go and mm. talk to somebody to to get support for myself and and that's actually a really important thing to do because your clients might be nervous about talking to you they don't want to burden you with things but if they know that you've got support yeah they might feel a little bit more comfortable in opening up yeah bear in mind depression anxiety are so prevalent and it's often when treatment's finished 
that the symptoms kind of show up because people have been so busy during treatment yeah that afterwards they're kind of a bit adrift and that's when it comes in so again you may find clients saying oh you know i'm really worried or i've been feeling really low lately so again yes. we can't diagnose but we can certainly pick up on it and say i think you know you've mentioned this a couple of times now have you spoken yes. to your gp about it because yes. this is this is where you know we we like hairdressers in a way, aren't we? People tell us everything. Um, and, and as I say, you know, that's part of your relationship is picking up when a client, clients come into you every week and saying they feel really down, they're really worried, they're really anxious. Don't just mm. sort of assume they'll get better. Ask them if they've talked to anyone about it. Mm. Something yes. as simple as that could actually just make them go, do you know what? No, I haven't and I need to. Thank you. Yeah. And that's, also demonstrating, you know, an, an element of duty of care that, Absolutely. you know, we're in a privileged position, as you say, um, that they share so much information with us that we are in a great position to pick up on um, any sort of um, conditions like that or any sort of signs and just to be aware um, and, yeah, and, and, and demonstrate that, that sort of duty and of care. And, and the, the, uh, the big thing for me is you are working with a person who has been diagnosed with a medical condition. Mm. It is a medical condition that still has a lot of fear, a lot of misunderstanding around it. But at the end of the day, it's a person diagnosed yeah. with a medical condition. Person first, medical condition second always yeah. and I think that's the important thing your role is to get to know your client and their condition not to get to know the condition and forget about the client and that's the big thing yeah and that's that's a great place to finish so Sarah thank you once again for for your time and expertise I'm sure I'm sure this podcast will um help um you know some of our community out there that that um you know just just needed some guidance and some support so thank you very much um we will follow up with the links so that people can um you know check out it things in their own area or other support groups but thank you once again and um, look forward to talking to you again thank you for having me for more information about fitpro education and for details on fitpro membership and insurance you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy the today's podcast and see you next time.